Hello, everybody. Welcome to Health Chatter. Today's episode is going to be on ethical wills and or legacy letters. We'll talk about the distinction between the two in a minute with our illustrious guest. We have a great crew that always does our background research for us in our production. Maddie Levine-Wolf, Aaron Collins, Deandra Howard, Sheridan Nygaard all do great research for us. And Matthew Campbell is our production manager. Make sure all our, our shows get out there crystal clear so everybody can hear them loud and clear. So thank you to, to everybody. Also, uh, Clarence Jones is my, my great colleague and partner in this endeavor. And uh, we have a good time doing it. And I appreciate his insights and good questions and perspectives. So Clarence, it's always a pleasure. And then, of course, we have Human Partnership, which is um, a, a partnership organization that helps us with our, our shows, community organization that's very, very well known. And I encourage all of you to check out their website for all the good things they do out in the community. So thank you to them. With that, let's get the show moving here. Uh, today we have a great colleague of mine that I've known for a, for a long time, Dr. Barry Baines. He was on a previous show with us, and now he's back with um, actually our previous show was how to talk to your to your physician about hard oriented ish health issues. And today, um, Barry's going to be talking about with us with ethical wills on ethical wills and legacy letters. Barry is a hospice and palliative medicine specialist. Um, he has 10 years of experience as a hospital medical director and is board certified in both family practice and hospice and palliative medicine. He's a leading authority on the use of ethical wills in palliative care and other settings, presented regionally and nationally on this issue. Barry also serves on the faculty of the National Institutes of Estate Planners. He has developed several self-help print and software resources on creating ethical wills, legacy letters. His new book, Ethical Wills, Putting Your Values on Paper, was recently published, and I encourage all of you to, to take a look at that book, especially after you hear his illustrious words today. So, Barry, thank you so much for, for being with us on, uh, on Health Chatter. So let's get this show going here. Maybe the best way to start this out is what is an ethical will or a legacy letter? Yes. Stan, a great question. <laughs> <laughs> to start us out. Huh? And, and actually, within the next uh, minute, uh, all of your listeners will be uh, experts. Right. Know more than 99% of the world population about what ethical wills and legacy letters are. Uh, so simply stated, an ethical will or legacy letter, and at the outset, they are equivalent terms. I'll uh, kind of weave a little bit of a story about, uh, about those terms in, in a little bit. But simply stated, an ethical will or legacy, legacy letter is a way to articulate and document your values, beliefs, faith, life lessons, love, gratitude, and forgiveness with family, friends, and for family, friends, and community. 
And that's, you know, sort of the elevator speech of what an ethical will or legacy letter is. And I was wondering if it would be helpful. Um, you know, it's one thing to hear a definition of what something is. And I think it's another thing to hear one, like yeah. some real ones. And so I, I prepared uh, uh, just a few paragraphs from three very different uh, legacy letters or ethical wills to give people a flavor of what that's like. And wondering if that's okay if I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I go for great. that. Because um, it also, I, I think, helps uh, people to understand what, what we're really talking about. Um, and it's a nice range of, of, uh, of people. Um, so the first one I'd like to just read a few, again, just a few paragraphs from each is the ethical will or legacy letter of a, a gentleman, Ray Quinn. Um, he actually passed a, a number of years ago. He wrote this when he was in his 60s. Um, he was actually taking uh, training uh, from me and my uh, business partner to become a legacy navigator for ethical wills. He worked a lot with veterans and in insurance companies um, and felt that this was very very, very important. But this is, again, was a letter to his family. So he was in good health at the time that he wrote it. Um, and uh, here, I'll just read a, a couple of his paragraphs and his clothes. Uh, so this was to his uh, family, uh, his kids and his, his spouse. Dear Michelle, Dan, and my dearest Stephanie, first of all, I want you to know how important all of you are in my life journey and how much I love you. It was seldom that my full-blooded Irish father said the words, I love you, but we never doubted it for an instant. I am sorry that you, Michelle, and Dan never knew your Irish grandpa, but your good humor and hard work carry on his spirit, and the gleam in his eye is there in each of yours. I have tried hard to be a conduit to you from him. Of course, your French, Grandpa Turgeon, knew you, Michelle, I wish he had known you better, Dan, since you were only two when he died. I am so glad that he permitted this Irishman to marry his only daughter. <laughs> Education has been very important to me throughout my life so far. My mother and dad nurtured that love of learning. They taught me that it is not so much degrees or certificates as it is about being better prepared to serve people's needs more efficiently and effectively. I can see that you have both learned that well. And then he goes on talking about uh, his family a little bit more, his love of travel uh, with the family, how he would have these great ideas. His wife would <laughs> execute everything uh, to make them happen. And he finishes, uh, he closes saying, I love you all with all my heart and soul. I pray that all of us continue to have health happiness and prosperity and generously contribute to the lives and welfare of those we meet. So that's uh, one of them. Um, the next one happens to be one of the more uh, widely read uh, ethical wills when uh, we had them posted on website. These are uh, in my book and in other resources that I have. Uh, this was uh, written by a young woman, uh, Bettina, who uh, died when she was 29 years old. She had cancer. Um, and she wrote this ethical will uh, to be read at her funeral service. And I'm just going to read, a, again, a few paragraphs from this, whenever I use this one, uh, which I do often in uh, 
workshops and stuff, oftentimes, even though I've read this hundreds of times, I always keep my Kleenex handy <laughs> uh, because it's uh, just very, very heartfelt and, and really, really strikes me. And again, you know, it's it's one page long. That's the other thing. The ethical wills and legacy letters are not uh, the super long uh, document um, or recording, as it were. Dear friends and loved ones, as I contemplated this memorial service, I felt great gratitude in my heart that each of you would be here to say goodbye to me. Many of you have shared your warmth, kindness, and love with me during these last months. I want to say thank you and goodbye and share with you the lessons I've learned through my dying. I have profoundly experienced that love is all that matters. Like many people, I occasionally got caught in my pettiness and separation, thinking I knew the right answer. I judged others, and I have judged myself even more harshly. But I have learned that we carry within ourselves the abundant wisdom and love to heal our weary heart and judgmental mind. During the time of my illness, I have loved more deeply. My heart feels as if it has exploded. I do not carry anger. I feel we are all doing the best we can. Judging others closes the heart, and when one is dying, this is a waste of precious sharing. Life is how we stand in relationship to both ourselves and to others. Loving and helping each other are all that is important. And she goes on more talking about her love of nature, her sadness in leaving her husband. And she closes saying, Chief Crazy Horse said upon his final battle, it is a good day to die because all of the things of my life are present. That is how I feel as I think of the abundance, adventure, opportunity, and love in my life. When you think of me, know that my spirit has taken flight and that I loved you. Hmm. Really nice. Really, really yeah. nice. So let, let, me, uh, let me ask you, Barry. It's like... Yeah. Um, you know, you said at the at the outset that virtually an, an ethical will and a legacy letter are are one in the same. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though. It's like you know, perceptions from from people are the idea that a will, you know, will mm -hmm. you bequeath something? Okay, yeah. okay. all right. Um, and as opposed to just calling it a legacy letter, so. Mm -hmm. um, Talk to me about and, and for our audience about the um, the potential confusion between yeah. those two. Yeah, and some of this becomes. Uh, I think it's a good distinction, and it's uh, it relates more to the history of of this than anything else. So uh, historically, ethical wills are, are not an invention of mine. <laughs> they go back. Uh, really uh, thousands of years, uh, what's generally regarded as the first uh, documentation, as it were, of an ethical will um, was in the Hebrew Bible. That would be uh, Jacob in Genesis 49 on his deathbed gathers his sons around the bedside and dispenses with advice, commands, blessings, instructions. Um, that's actually, it's an interesting uh, ethical will to read mm -hmm. uh, because he heaps lots of blessings on Joseph, uh, some on Benjamin, and then he pretty much rose 
roasts the rest of his kids saying that they were mean. They, you know, basically wouldn't give his last shekel to them if their life depended on it. Um, and in, in reading that was uh, very much uh, a lot of uh, scolding going on there for the kind of lives that they lived. Um, and then again, in uh, Christian Bible, John chapters uh, in 15, John 15 to 17, Jesus gathers his disciples around him. And again, is sort of the same formula of blessings, uh, instructions, commands, uh, advice, things, things like that. So it has a long history. The first written ethical wills are you know, probably in the 1100s. And they, they sort of had uh, titles on it, like teachings of the fathers or ethics of the fathers. And that's where I, and because it was usually transmitted after death, it got that moniker of a will. Um, but from a marketing perspective, if you ask someone, what is an ethical will? Of course, our listeners today, they, they already know because we, you know, we gave them that at the beginning. But most people would, would get it wrong because they uh, always think of a will as like a legal document, you know, like right. your last will right. and testaments. And so they get confused with that. And then this idea of uh, an ethical will, then they start thinking, well, gee, my lawyer who prepared my, my will, is he ethical? Do I have to you know, worry <laughs> about that? Okay. Where are the ethics uh, in all of this? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you ask someone, what is a legacy letter, even if they don't know, they're going to be in the ballpark, they're going to probably be 80 or 90% right. Well, a letter, that's usually something that's not too long. And a legacy letter, well, people relate to legacy as something that they that they do leave behind. Um, and so I've uh, kind of taken the bull by the horns with this and, and just put them together so that people understand that they're equivalent. Uh, because the term, you know, again, something from thousands of years ago has meaning changes over time. Yeah. And so it becomes confusing. And this way, it has removed a tremendous barrier by just calling them uh, what they, they are, are. They, are they are exactly the, the same things um, yeah. and yeah and the idea of uh, what's also changed is that people usually share this document while they're still alive they don't wait until after they're after they're gone you know some do certainly um, but the uh, the tradition of that for for people who are writing legacy letters and ethical wills they share it while they're alive and they wind up uh living their life with much greater intention because in a way they've sort of, you know, gone public, even if it's just with their family about things that, that are important to them and that really is meaningful and what makes them tick. Cool. Clarence. Barry, I, I want to thank you for that reading. As you were reading, I was, I closed my eyes mm -hmm. uh, to hear, hear what you were saying. You kind of, you kind of set me up there a little bit. Um, but the question that I had was, how do you prepare someone to write? Because I think that part of, you know, when I think about the experiences that I have, and I, I, do, I do a lot with dementia and, uh, you know, more seasoned people like Stan and I, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's very difficult to, uh, sometimes it's very difficult for people to say what they need to say or want to say, you know what I mean? And so I'm sure, that you run across that, but how do you get people prepared to be uh, to be so vulnerable and open when it comes to their families? Because sometimes in life it's not that way. 
You know, like you like you were talking a little bit earlier about the the guy that said his Irish father never said that he loved him that much. You know what I mean? Uh, but how do you, so so that's my question. How do you get people prepared to write? Yeah, uh, that is a, a great question. Uh, basically, people approach this in a couple of different ways. There are some people that are just natural writers, you, you know, and they can just, you know, give them a piece of paper and a pen or a microphone and a <laughs> recorder and and away they go. Um, that's sort of like the uh, the blank sheet of paper approach, you know, for, for people. Um, I, I'm not that way myself either. And so I think one of the uh, ways to prepare you know, people for this. Uh, number one, I think, is is hearing examples of of legacy letters really helps because it gives you a context. Do, do you know what I mean? And that's extremely helpful. So you know what you're what you're dealing with. Um, and then I think the most important is just to provide prompts for people to be thinking about some reflective questions and and things like that. Um, at one level, uh, creating this legacy letter or ethical will is a, uh, something you can just do by yourself. You know, you can go off and, and, and go for it. And oftentimes there's a motivating factor. And I always try and get people to be thinking about what motivates them to do this at this point in time. And most often it's a transition or a turning point in their life, something that creates a life challenge makes you think about it. Certainly in my work in hospice, where it was, uh, you know, it's sort of the burning platform for folks yeah. when they're, you know, when they know that they don't have much time left and they want to leave something behind. And, and I hope I get to actually share the story that got me involved in this uh, to begin with, because I, I think it's very illustrative. But it's this idea of providing people with prompts. The other thing is that it's uh, sometimes a better um, a better task or a better process to do uh, with other people. And group writing workshops are a great venue for doing this, where not only do people get to write in response to their own prompts, when you share, you know, we don't remember everything, right, all the time, uh, as we all, as we all know, especially as we, as we get older, uh, and sometimes in community of just sharing some of our experiences, uh, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you know, Stan, you know, you said that something like that happened to me. Oh, Clarence, I'm so glad you brought out, you know, that that story in your life and, and what that meant to you. I had something that's it's different, but it's similar. And I totally forgot about it. And so what winds up happening is you get an enrichment taking place uh, while you're in the process and people really get like revved up with this. I'm always amazed when, when I work with groups of people, how open they are to sharing some of these things. And it's not, it's, it's always voluntary. Okay. Yeah. Cause there are some things that are private and, and, and that's, and that's fine. Um, on the flip side of that, people are very uh, happy to share. Cause again, if we were to put all, let's say the five or six of us who are on here, uh, today in a room and and we were to start talking about things we'd see that we have more things in common with each other than differences 
which which actually is a very community building process as well. When we look at the world that we live in, where people seem to be focusing more on on how we're different than rather how much as humans we're really you know the same. What do we we share ninety nine point you know, five yeah, percent yeah. DNA with each with each other, no matter you know what you look like. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, Barry. It's like um, there's a couple things that kind of come to my mind. One mm-hmm. is, do you keep a legal will and a let's just call it for right now a legacy letter separate? Like for instance, do do people ever attach? their legacy letters to their actual legal will? Mm. Uh, and the answer is uh, yes, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer, of course, that you, that you, you like. Uh, historically, the ethical will or legacy letter was kept with the, the legal will. And mm-hmm. that also is one of the reasons why I think it was thought of you know, called the ethical will rather yeah, than, yeah. you know, the will of inheritance, you know, kind of piece. Um, but that became separated as as documents. Um, and so people sort of decide how they how they want to do it. I would say today, uh, you certainly can, you know, have it with your legal will um, moving forward, because it can help explain you know, quite a number of things that uh, people may raise their eyebrows about or scratch their head about with what's in a, a legal will. Um, again, it's the this idea, I think you alluded to it, that a, a legal will bequeaths your valuables and the ethical will or legacy letter bequeaths your values. Yeah, and so putting yeah. those together is, is helpful. But I think people become much more interested in sharing this while they're alive because it does does offer opportunity for further conversation. That's one of the downsides when it's uh, you know shared after death. You can't be in conversation anymore with that person, and uh, sometimes things are left hanging, as as it were. Um, and so sharing it now enables more dialogue, especially if there are things where people are thanking people uh, or forgiving or asking yeah. forgiveness, those kind of things. It allows for it allows for dialogue moving forward. Does that yeah. sort of yeah. Yeah. Help, help with that? So, yeah. um, and that, yeah. that that's really that's really where 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 I, the next question I was going to ask. Thank you for doing that, because I think that for some people, some of the things, their legacy there's so many questions about their legacy uh, that they never got a chance to explain. Do people use this letter? You know, you just talked about the fact that it's better to do it while you're alive, mm-hmm. but sometimes people can't do it like that. Sometimes, yeah, they can't do it like that. So do people use this to explain their side of the story uh, after death? And yeah. Mm-hmm. they. They do. <laughs> okay. As okay. you could, as okay. you could probably, as you could probably, okay. as you could probably guess, um, you know, people do, and and there is, you know, quite honestly, there is. Um, I always, you know, like full disclosure, there is a a, a dark side to ethical wills, in particular, uh, if they're. Uh, sort of shared after death so that there's not that opportunity again. Um, in some of old, the older ethical wills uh, that I've read, um, people generally are trying to reach out from the grave 
if you know what I mean, mm. and, and sort of uh, scolding others and trying to control uh, their descendants' lives. Um, and, and I certainly, and, and most of the other practitioners in the ethical will legacy letter world uh, really try and discourage that, um, but to be aware that that is, um, uh, you know, a potential, a potential issue. But the other reality, you know, Clarence, I think what you're alluding to here as well, is that sometimes it, it's, these are very um, deep kind of things and reflective things, very personal. And, and sometimes it is hard to, to share that. And so there's a little bit of a safe haven um, that, you know, in sharing it after death, I would have to tell you that probably 95%, if not more of the legacy letter ethical wills that I've read, uh, you can call them, you know, your legacy of values, but you can also call it the love letter from the heart, because most often they're just filled with love and gratitude and, you know, not to make it you know, gender, you know, piece that sometimes uh, I, I think in general, uh, you know, we think that women have an easier time of, of sharing some of those things and, and guys don't. Um, and, and certainly I don't even want to get into the whole uh, patriarchal history with this, where it was just, you know, pretty much the guys who who would write this ethical will legacy letter, but there were some pioneers and women as well. Um, and that really, you know, helped to change the, the face of this, that again, it's for everybody. Um, multiple religions have traditions that are like wow. this. Um, so it's not owned by, by any one, you know, one faith community. Uh, it's just something for everybody. And part of it is, and this is probably one of the more important aspects. Humans have something that's called a transcendent dimension. We understand that life goes on after we're gone. You know, we know that, okay? We're, we're very aware of our mortality, whether we want to face it or not is another issue. But we know that life goes on after we're, after we're gone. And because of that, uh, typically, we want to be, re everybody wants to be remembered. And that's part of transcendence. So when I'm gone, I want future generations to remember me as I think all of us, you know, want to, and we'd like them to remember us favorably. So therefore, you should live your life as you wish to be remembered, right? right that's right, that's right. part of that in intentionality. Um, so but that's me, the let, big, let me that's ask the this big question, Barry. Yeah. Um, so let let's just I assume that you you and 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 your company provide guidance. So let's just mm -hmm. say a listener says, okay, you know, I want to do this. I want to mm -hmm. do it, you know, today. I want to do it starting mm -hmm. today. Yeah. How do you guide people it with their mm -hmm. with their thinking? Or do you just say, just go to it? You know, uh, or so help us here. Yeah. So, no, it's actually, it's, it's very guided. Um, and so uh, basically, um, and we've also come into the 21st <laughs> century, um, although we still like to, 
you know, I'm sort of old fashioned and I like the pencil and paper, you know, kind of way of doing it. So uh, the main resources, whether they come in a, a, a booklet form where, you, where it's actually prompts that, you know, sort of set things up. And I'll just give you a couple of examples from uh, the workbook that we typically use uh, in our uh, in our in our training and and uh, workshops. Um, one of them is uh, an exercise to just get people warmed up. It's called linking the generations, where you think about a relative that uh, that perhaps is deceased, perhaps someone you were named after. That you know, and imagine that you can go back in time and spend some time with them, and then just list you know a half a dozen questions that you'd like to ask them about their lives and their lifetimes. And then, you know, you kind of do a little reversal thing. Uh, the very questions you'd want to ask, like that I would, let's say, want to go back and ask my grandfather are the very same kind of questions, maybe a different version that my grandkids and great grandkids would want to yeah. know about me. Um, so that, you know, that's one of the things, but most of the exercises basically is put together as writing exercises, uh, use prompts. So as an, a quick example, something I learned from experience, and then you think about it and, and you're right. Something I'm grateful for, something I learned from my spouse or children, um, a most meaningful holiday uh, experience or tradition, um, life lessons I want to pass on, uh, regrets I would like to address. Um, and we kind of uh, actually peel the onion. There's a, a list of about five or six exercises that, that go a little bit deeper in terms of self-reflection and what you write about. Um, and then there's one other exercise that I actually created specifically for hospice because working with hospice patients, very often the urgency is great and there's very little time. And this is actually an exercise that has literally about 18 different categories, like importance of family and other relationships, uh, giving and receiving, learning from mistakes, being honest, importance of education, importance of humor. That's always a big one for me, as I think you already, you already know from, uh, from our conversations, doing good, uh, lessons about life, et cetera. And in those exercises, uh, it actually has four or five sentences that were actually taken from other ethical wills and legacy letters. And it, it's not likely that someone else's sentence is going to be in your voice and hit you just right, but every so often you hit a home run, but very often it gets you in the track of the kind of things that you'd want to uh, be writing about. So like in the importance of family and other relationships, two of the comments here are, as I've grown older, I continue to value the family more and more. Another one is, so much of what I am is because of grandpa and I dearly miss him every day. Those might not resonate with any of us, you know, here in the, uh, you know, in the audience, but it might get you thinking, you know, but I had something about that for my family and I, I want to write about that. And so just constructing that, putting it together and other thoughts come to your mind before you know it, you have a, a pretty good draft of putting together a legacy letter. And I always tell people to think of it more as a process rather than an event. It's not just finishing 
your your legacy letter or ethical will because especially if you do it not on your deathbed we continue to learn and grow and experience and so it's a great thing to add to uh, as you move forward and one other thing that that's that's very important for people to understand because uh, we encountered this um, is that sometimes people think well if I don't have kids then this isn't for me okay mm. and and actually the the excerpt from a, a third ethical will I was going to read has become actually a most influential ethical will. It was written by a woman in her 50s who, because of life circumstances, did not have children. Um, I think the, the statistics are like 30% of, of adults don't have kids. Okay. So this is not something that's, that's unusual in our society. And yet we all have, as in, like I say, this, this uh, Kim's case, which she wrote about, she has her family of choice and we all have our communities. And it really is about friends, family, and community. And that has opened up so many people to understanding that they do have something of importance to share with their family friends and community so moving forward yeah. so it's it's not just for people who who have children because most of us are part of extended family so there are nieces nephews grandnieces right, grandnephews right. Yeah, and those yeah. kind of and things friends colleagues whatever yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah. and so it really sort of widens the scope um, yeah, for yeah. that but again it's a very um uh constructed and again with prompts getting people thinking uh, about these things and when you sit back and you know have some quiet time to to do that um and especially if you talk with other people these things just you know start coming out and very often once people get going it's like you can't stop them <laughs> yeah, yeah and then Plans. actually yeah that you know you start you start getting even yeah, beyond yeah. the you know a, a several page uh, legacy letter and then you start getting into uh, uh more involved like life reflection stories i think this is a very very valuable information as, as you're talking about it my mind is racing uh, mm -hmm. thinking about a lot of different kinds of things. Um, and I, I also, I agree with you, 51% of men don't have children. It's really kind of a statistical thing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but they, but they still have a valuable story to tell. But mm -hmm. uh, I think about people when they think about writing this legacy letter, do they ask you to review it? Do they ask somebody to review it? Uh, because they want to, they, they, they do want to leave the right kind of uh, impression or the right kind of letter to their families. Is mm -hmm. that part of the process as well? I know I, I heard you say that they'll get continually uh, revise it. Right. But do they ever right. ask you to review it? Well, um, uh, you know, I, I've been asked to review a, 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 a a few of them. Okay. 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 I but I but I think that it's uh, again it's a very personal decision. Certainly. That being said, I'm I think that people should have someone review it before um, sending it sending it out. Um, and part of that is that piece I talked about earlier. That sometimes if uh, you have a lot of you shoulds you know, uh, in your ethical will, people may not be aware of it, or people are writing it to their uh, three kids. And, and they start out, I love my three kids, 
you know, equally in, in all things. And then you read their legacy letter and they're just talking about one of the three kids and like the other ones don't even get like a footnote. And, mm. you know, so if I was writing that and then Clarence, I let you say, I say, Clarence, could you just read us? Tell me what you what you think you might want to point out to me. Well, you know, Barry, we have two kids, but, we, you know, where's your other kid? I'm only reading about one of them or why are you telling them that they have to do all these things in their life they have their own their own lives to live so i think it's a good idea to have somebody uh read it a reviewer as it were more more than anything else to point out that you know who should read who should review it uh someone who's you know, I don't you know. You know, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think, I think it, it's it gets a personal, into trust. It's a personal. It's someone you yeah. trust. Actually, that's it. Someone that someone that you trust. You know, I I had you know my spouse, you know, read mine. Actually, when I when I wrote mine, because I figure if I'm doing this stuff, you got to write. You know, you got to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I was so excited. I like when I got done. I was like running through my my kids were like teenagers at the time and i i you know said oh alicia hannah you gotta you gotta finish my ethical will i want you to to read it and they're looking you know typical teenage this is a real uh, you know heads up this is a downer for me i I was all excited and they're looking at it typical teenagers oh yeah that's you know that's nice dad and then hey you know you could do better on this one you know over here um but i think that review piece is good just to make sure um someone that you trust that you're you know that you're either being even handed and that you're not scolding or trying to reach out from the grave yeah so you know um you 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 alluded to the idea and correct me if i'm wrong the idea of um, legacy letters ethical wills being either proactive in other words you Mm -hmm. do them frankly when you're alive and kicking and you yep. know or, and when, when you think about doing it versus um reactive mm-hmm. when you say when you kind of say oh my god i shouldn't be doing this because you know i'm really sick or yep. you know, i'm in hospice or something so can you reflect a little bit on on that proactive yes. and reactive yeah yeah and the range uh, to start off the range of people writing uh, legacy letters and ethical wills uh, goes from uh, I'll say late teens to the end oh, really? to the end of life. Okay, wow. and, and I'll give you some. Okay, that being said, there's sort of a sweet spot when people are more inclined to do this. Generally, tends to be people uh, who sort of get into the summary stage in their life, which typically is uh, late fifties, early sixties, and onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, where you've accumulated life experience um, and you sort of wanting to give back and you're more aware of your mortality. Um, there's a University of Hartford, there's a professor there that teaches an adult journey course. And for the past number of years, um, I'm not sure that she's teaching it right now. Uh, she would require her students to write a legacy letter and ethical will as part of the adult journey course. And uh, I've been privileged to share in reading some of them. And so it's very interesting. Um, an 18, 19 or 20 year old 
generally has most of their life in front of them and most of their life experience in front of them. Mm -hmm. Those ethical wills, legacy letters, tend to focus much more on thanking their parents and grandparents for the values base that they gave them and expressing gratitude uh, a lot and hoping that they could live out the values that they've been brought up with. So it's, you know, whereas uh, someone like myself or Clarence or, you know, Stan, yourself, of, you know, in writing ours, we might be more reflective of the kind of things we've learned from life and reflect on things that are, you know, that are important. And uh, we may have some things that we regret that we, you know, if we could do something about it or, or ask forgiveness or forgiving others and really expressing love. I think that's very important along with our beliefs. So uh, content wise, they tend to change over time. And again, the sweet spot is, you know, 50s on up is people are ripe for doing that kind of thing because they're much more aware of this transcendent dimension that we have. And you're, you know, you're sort of, uh, you know, on the, the downward trajectory. So yeah, we, hope yeah. we have, we, we all hope that we have lots of uh, uh, valuable uh, years left. Um, but it helps to move ahead. And then also with, I wanted to just get back to one quick thing, Clarence, that you said, especially with people that may be, as they get older, have memory issues and stuff. And mm -hmm. in those cases, it's sometimes very helpful uh, to sort of uh, have family uh, help to create, um, you know, the ethical will for that person. One of my uh, very best friends, his dad had dementia in the last eight years of his life. And, and really, you know, Henry wasn't Henry anymore. And um, at the, uh, after he passed, uh, my friend uh, said, what can I do? Because my dad wasn't able to really, you know, write about these things. I said, well, you know, you sort of knew him and your, and your brothers and sisters. Uh, why don't uh, the three of you get together and, and, you know, here's sort of the outline of the kind of things that people would write about. Um, and so he and his siblings put that together. They read it at the funeral. And afterwards, everyone that attended the funeral came up to my friend, Keith, and said, you know, you really, you really captured who Henry was when he was Henry, you know, before mm. Alzheimer's took away so many things. Everybody wanted a copy. Wow. And, it, and, and, and again, it was a one pager, you know, fairly, you know, fairly simple, but it captured, um, you know, who Henry was when, you know, when his memory was intact and, and focused more on those things. So even people with Alzheimer's um, doesn't preclude a family from coming together, rallying around and helping that. Because again, people, um, you know, have a lifetime to express the things that they value and what's meaningful and certainly their experience and the stories. We're the repository for that. And it's, uh, I think it's important to document that uh, not only for immediate family, but for, for generations to come. You know, they talk about the gravestone, you know, has a birth date, the dash yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the date and it's like there's actually a little book it's called on the dash you know what does the dash mean oh the dash is the you know the time in between when you were born and when you're gone what did you do what you know what are your stories your values experiences etc you know it's interesting when my um 
you know, reflect for, for the audience here. When my mother passed away, I remember the, uh, the rabbi, our rabbi coming to our home. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, to a certain extent, I almost uh, envision a, uh, a eulogy of sorts where a rabbi tries to um, capture from the, the grieving family some of the legacy-oriented aspects of the person who, who passed away and consequently in the eulogy itself, sharing that. So to a certain mm-hmm. extent, it almost would make it easier for a rabbi, a pastor, a minister to have that to, uh, to, yes, to yes. use, you yes. know, to, mm-hmm. to share with, you know, people who might be at a funeral. No, absolutely. Because um, uh, again, family has been a part of that. And I know, you know, a lot of people, they, when they retire, if they're able, they move somewhere, they move somewhere else and they aren't necessarily connected to their community. I know when my uh, parents died, it was that kind of thing where um, in this case, uh, they weren't involved with a, a faith community. And so when they died, it was a rent a rabbi who really knew nothing about them yeah, at all. Yeah. And they, you know, under pressured, uh, you know, time frame, you know, trying to put that together. And it's much, it's much better, I think, when, uh, either the person writes it the way like Bettina did in preparation for her, you know, for her death uh, or a family rallying around to do that, to really create a picture of, of who that person was, um, what was meaningful to them and the impact and the impact that they had on, on other people as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting too, at, at just reflecting on, on funerals. Oftentimes it's, it's interesting that, um, people who who say a few words right are um could be like grandchildren that get up and and guess what they usually i'm not saying all the time but usually share what they learned mm-hmm. from from their grandmother grandfather mm-hmm. whoever um, mm-hmm. um and to a certain extent, in this case, a legacy letter would make even that easier. Okay. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you. Um, okay, you you put one together for yourself, mm-hmm. which I could, which you know, I understand. Um, hey, you know, I'm, I'm touting this. I should do it. But um, help help us kind of think about what you, as as really an expert in the, in this area, what you went through for your own thought process mm-hmm. separate from maybe a uh, a trainer who does it or you know what i mean it's just like you as barry who who really sat down and did this seems to me you had you would have to kind of separate yourself from the professional aspects of helping oh, people yeah. do no, it this versus is a very, the personal right, right. yeah no it's very this is very personal um and uh, you know the the process that you know that I use. Number one is you really uh, either need to you know, get some quiet time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know we're so used to going at 120 miles an hour all the time that uh, you really need some time to reflect. Yeah. And and you know when you sort of recount. Um, your, and this reflection process, uh, you know, I would encourage for everybody, um, 
is, you know, I started off with sort of a, a list of things that, that generally are important to me. This will be important to, I think, just about anybody. It's, it's your, you know, your family. Um, and again, in my family, family was the, that family value of family comes first. You do anything for your family. And that's, you know, that came from my dad, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know, for sure. Um, the work, you know, your, as you make your way in the world, the other thing is, is, you know, what you learned, you know, not just going to school, but what you learned about life. Okay. Um, what the work that you do, right. And, and how that impacts you. And I think the other, the other piece is again, is how, um, what gives you meaning and purpose in yeah. life. And just, you know, if you, if you just put those down as, as headers, you know, to start with, and then you, you start thinking about those things, uh, you'll come up with the snippets, the narrative, the stories that shaped you. Yeah. And yeah. you just, and then I just distilled out of those kind of things, things that I value, um, things that I would like my, you know, kids to value or to know, you know, to know about me. Certainly, um, as you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs> um, so I also thought it was, imp- it's important to acknowledge um, mistakes that you may have made, and in particular challenges that you've overcome. And I think that's extremely important because families that understand that you face challenges and you've overcome them, you know, you've sort of got through to the other side. Research has shown that those families have more resilience. It's like, it's amazing, you know, rather than just thinking that life is a bowl of cherries and everything, you know, is, is just, you know, perfect. Well, life, we all know that life isn't perfect at all. And I think in particular, uh, this is where I think there's a great leveling in, in who, I'm, I know I'm going a little bit uh, off, off topic here, but this is why I think the legacy letter, ethical will idea is so powerful is that you don't have to be rich to write a legacy letter. And, and in fact, uh, for a lot of families who don't have a lot of assets, who don't have a lot of valuables, uh, they may have a lot of values. And being able to transmit those values and what's important to their family, in some ways, again, I don't want to make judgments say, well, it's more important to them than, you know, than, than others, because it's important equally. Um, but if your legacy is your values and your life lessons and, and passing on your love, that is, I think that is as valuable as just passing on money, you know, yeah, down yeah. the road. Cause, you know, Clarence, you have a, a, a question. Yeah, I, I have this burning, this burning thought in my head. So Barry, I just want to tell you how much this particular session has really Im- impressed me. I think uh, there've been several times where I've expressed how I want to be buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be a buried, I want to be a, a tree. Yeah, uh, I only okay. want two people at my, uh, uh, to speak at my funeral. But okay. I think now I want to have a legacy letter. 
read. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, thank you for, for helping me to kind of, you know, frame my, my funeral here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. You know, um, the other thought that I, I was thinking about where you said that, you know, young people, you know, like even teenagers will write legacy mm-hmm. letters. What, what, came into my mind and I brought this up in previous shows, this idea of the illusion of immortality. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that, that they don't embrace that yet, which, which is great. But on the other hand, for all of us, there's something to be learned from that and, and something to be happy about um, that those that perhaps write a legacy letter or an ethical will later can can use you know you can yeah. reflect on that too i remember when you know i yeah. was you know 19 years old and you know everything in the world was in front of me um mm-hmm. so it, it's it's really great so um for our listening audience you might want to just share where they might be able to get more resources typically sure. we put our research up which includes some of the background but is there something that that you would like to make sure that they know about well, I, you know, I think going to our uh, uh, livingwisely.org uh, website, we, we do, Tra- Tracy Blues Ward and I, in our, in our company, Living Wisely, it's Celebrations of Life. Uh, we've been working in this area for about 16 years now. Uh, I do the Ethical Legacy Letter. She does something called Life Reflection Stories. Mm-hmm. And then we have a third uh, legacy pathway, which is a making a difference plan, which is your legacy of generosity. Mm. Um, the ethical will is your legacy of values, uh, life reflection stories, or legacy of wisdom and legacy of generosity. But livingwisely.org is both for, we have a uh, part of that for organizations and then for individuals. And you can just go to that website, click in, get lots of information about what this is all about. Um, again, it's, it's not rocket science to do, um, but it's hard work, you know, it's hard work to sit and reflect and think about some of these things. Um, and so having resources to do that, we uh, have an online secure portal where you could actually now do it uh, with a smartphone, with your computer, with a tablet, um, and you can record and it, you know, does voice transcription, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Um, and so that uh, you can uh, sign on to a subscription for that portal um, and and also get res- other resources like the workbook through that, uh, through that uh, uh, portal. Um, or if people have questions, they could just, I think you have my contact information. Um, they could just uh, send me an, a note and I'd be happy to Great. Um, we'll put, we'll be sure to put that. Them. We'll be sure to put that in so, in the uh, in the information yeah. for the actual show itself. Barry, yeah. this has been really enlightening, and um, and I really really thank you um, for all the people for health chatter, but also our our listening audience, and and frankly for the work you do. I think it really is is a special um, service that that you're providing guidance that you're providing um and i think it's it's truly special so uh very very much thank you i I appreciate that um for our listening audience our next show is on artificial limbs and oh my goodness how many people are getting them whether they be knees hips 
shoulders, and we'll be having Dr. David Fisher on for our next show. So in the meantime, keep health chatting away. Hi, everyone. It's Matthew from Behind the Scenes, and I wanted to let everyone know that we have a new website up and running, healthchatterpodcast.com. You can go on there. You can interact with us. You can communicate with us. Send us a message. You can comment on each episode. You can rate us. Uh, and it's just another way for everyone to communicate with uh, Stan and Clarence and all of us at the Health Chatter team. So definitely check it out. Again, that's healthchatterpodcast.com. Thank you.